0: Well, again, good morning, Grumlaw Church. And before I kind of dive into the message this morning, I want to remind us one more time, just one more time, uh, that our next baptism service is right around the corner, which means that today is officially last call because we film these stories and we want to help use your story to help other stories be told. Uh, You need to literally get signed up today. So we find that a lot of people procrastinate and they wait for this moment. The moment has arrived. So if you are watching right now and you have never gone public with your faith as an adult, I will ask the question that I ask every single time, What? are you waiting for? It is time to take this step. It is time to go public with your faith. Uh, You honestly have no idea what lays in store as a result of you taking this step of obedience. And in so many ways that that's what this is. It's a step of obedience in what Jesus so clearly asks us to do. So you can get all those details, sign up for baptism by texting GRUMLAW to 94000 and then following those prompts for baptism. And one of our staff members will be in touch with you. Uh, February the 12th is going to be a really, really great day. It's also our five-year celebration. So get in on On that action again, text GrumLaw to ninety four thousand and follow those baptism prompts. Now, uh, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Now, how many of us would say uh, you have a pretty good life going for yourself, but but yet you still find yourself complaining quite a bit, right? I I can't be the only one. Why is that? That our lives can be pretty special, pretty meaningful, pretty great most of the time, but yet our minds seem to almost exclusively drift towards the, the negative, what we don't like. We, we tend to complain. As we've discovered in this series, our, our minds are battlefields, and, and in fact, most of life's battles are, are won or lost in your mind. In other words, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. What what comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. You can't have a positive, faith-filled life if you have a negative, fear-filled mind. Now, I want to begin today by returning to a passage that we actually began to unpack in the first two weeks of this series. As we get to kind of peer into the mind of the Apostle Paul, as as God quite literally renews his mind, we get to peer in his mind by looking into these letters that he wrote to these early Christian churches uh, popping up all over the ancient Mediterranean world. This particular one is titled 2 Corinthians because it was written to the early Christian church in Corinth. That there Paul writes for us, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. We don't act like the world acts. We don't think like the world thinks. That the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, with this passage of scripture as our promise from the living God, uh, with all of that in mind, allow me to pray for us. God, we do. We thank you that that you are the God who who goes before us, with us, after us. That 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 you are a God who who cares so deeply about every single one of us who who are watching right now, and therefore you obviously care about our minds. We thank you that your Word is so rich with with truth, not a version of truth, but quite literally the truth. I pray that each of us would have a Uh, a humble and and open-handed posture to whatever it is that you would like to speak over our lives here this morning. It's in your precious saving name that we pray. Amen. Now, at about this time would probably be a good time to remind all of you that if you have not been with us for the first two weeks of this series, it would be a wise, a a prudent decision to get yourself caught up at Grumlaw.com slash messages. Or as I always mention, you can find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you grab your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. But in this series, uh, we've been talking about the power of the mind. See, we all have neural pathways, and every single time you think a thought, you're, you're creating a mental trail or a pathway in your brain. And, and the more often that you think a thought, the easier it becomes to think that thought again. And as we've explored, that's for both better and, and, and for worse. Today, as we launch into part three, we're going to begin by exploring what is referred to as a, as a cognitive bias, or, or to maybe put it in layman's terms, a mental filter. Now, now, a simple definition would go something like this. It's a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or, or preferences uh, on what you've experienced or, or what you prefer. Uh, for instance, uh, many of you, you grew up in environments with, with abusive men So because you have been hurt and because you have been abused by men, even though all men aren't hurtful, even though all men aren't abusive, but because of what you have endured, because of what you have experienced, your filter, your bias, it shapes how you see men, and it'll sometimes cause you to make inaccurate judgments about men that that are around you. But perhaps it's even created great difficulty for you to come walking through the doors of of a place like this to listen to people like me. It's a cognitive bias. Maybe you grew up in a home with parents who were incredibly critical of, of people who had less than you, poor people, people who were not on the high end of the financial spectrum. And, and they would utter things under their breath and sometimes not so under their breath. They're lazy. They created that mess for themselves. If they just get off their lazy butts, they, they wouldn't be in this situation. And now, even in adulthood, when you see the homeless or someone even, for instance, just driving an older car, you find it difficult to not pass judgment or, or be critical. Now, what's interesting is, is if you change the filter, it usually changes how you feel. Ch- change the filter, change the feel. Th- this is what so frequently happens when, when we post a picture to social media. Y- y- you have this picture that, that to you doesn't really look all that great, but, but suddenly you slap a different filter on the picture and it like completely changes the feel. Suddenly you're looking at yourself going, dang, I look pretty good. T- change the filter, change the feel. A cognitive bias that acts as a default filter. Our our, our brains are predetermined to think a certain way. They're pre-wired to interpret a situation, even if that interpretation is is inaccurate. That's why two different people can respond completely different to the exact same situation. The facts aren't different. No, 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 the filter is different. For, For example, maybe your boss gives the same feedback to two different people. And the first person responds and they're offended. How dare you tell me that? You have no idea all that I do for this company. I don't even respect you anyway. So you could take that feedback and shove it up your, well, you get the idea. Meanwhile, the second person, same feedback, delivered the exact same way in the exact same tone and, and they respond with gratitude. Thank you. That, that, that was helpful. This is actually gonna allow me to be better at, at my job. Thank you for caring enough about me to, to actually say something same facts, different filter. We actually see this all the time around here in, in the local church. Two different people come walking through the doors of our church for, for the very first time, and that might actually describe you this morning. This is your first time watching, and we're so glad that you're here. You come on the exact same Sunday. Now, now, one person gives us the feedback that this place is amazing. I was so seen. I felt so loved. I mean, the music was on point. The preaching, it spoke right to my heart. I cannot wait to come back next week. But, but the second person sitting through the, the exact same service, virtually the exact same experience, and, and they're saying things like, these Christians, they're a bunch of fake hypocrites. That, that music, it was terrible. I've never heard those songs before. That preacher, although distractingly handsome, he is such a fraud. I bet he's a completely different person when he gets off that stage. What, what's different? Not, not the facts, but, but the filter. There's a true story that's been retold many, many times, especially in business circles, where two American shoe salesmen, they they go to Africa at the turn of the century to expand their business. Now, now one sends a telegraph back to America that says, research complete, unmitigated disaster. Nobody here wears shoes. But, But that second salesman calls home and reports, research complete, glorious opportunity. Nobody here wears shoes. Send every single pair that we have. See, again, it's the same facts, but, but a different filter. But, but it's not only the, the filter that matters. It's, it's also the, the frame. How you frame something will always dictate how you see it. And, and we're going to spend some time this morning uh, attempting to teach ourselves a tool that we're simply going to refer to as, as reframing. W- what does it mean to reframe a situation? What does it mean to, to reframe a relationship? We're creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. Allow me to kind of give us a visual illustration of how this might play out in our lives. See, uh, you could wake up this morning and think today is going to be a horrible day. I hate my job. The, the people that I work with are the absolute worst. I'm underappreciated, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. Nothing ever goes my way. My, my spouse, not even a fan of him, not a fan of her. Why do we have all these kids that continue to ruin my life? My, my car even is a hunk of junk. Or on that exact same day, we have the ability to, to reframe it. I, I've got a lot going on today, but, but lucky for me, my God goes before me, with me, and, and after me. I'm not facing today alone. I'm thankful that I have a job that helps to, to provide for my family. I'm thankful for a, for a vehicle that gets me from point A to point B. Thankful for, for a loving spouse. Thankful for these little image bearers that are running around our home that admittedly at times can be a little overwhelming, but actually kind of remind me a lot of the favor that God has, has shown to me and my spouse. Today is going to be a great day. The facts aren't any different. It's just all about how we frame it. But we actually even do this with God. And here's what's true for every single one of us. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. The truth is, is most of what we experience in this life, it's outside of our control, but we can control how we frame it. I want to challenge each of us right now to think about our lives right now, right down to the expectations that we have. How many of us wanted something in our lives, but but right now it it sure feels like you're you're experiencing the opposite, that by this point in your life, you would have been this far in your career, you'd be living there, you'd be married to him, you'd be married to her, you'd have this many kids, you would have all of this, you would have accomplished this. You, you really wanted something, but yet here you are, and you haven't accomplished it. You haven't achieved it. In fact, in so many ways, you, you kind of feel like you've gone the complete opposite direction. Maybe you've worked really, really, really hard. You, you've gotten that degree. In fact, you've gotten two of those degrees, but yet you find yourself in a job where you think you're incredibly overqualified. You're not even in the, the, the field that you studied in. You're, you're not getting a salary that you think is reflective of, of your worth in the company. Maybe you dreamed of having that great marriage that when you said, I do, you were going to kind of just sail into the sunset and it would only get better. And there you were, you married your sweetheart and the years went by and it consistently got worse until you eventually found yourself divorced. See, if you've ever woke up and thought that this was not the plan, that this was not what I wanted, I actually wanted the complete opposite of this, that the Apostle Paul, he knows exactly what you're feeling. In fact, Paul, he he had a really big God-sized dream. He, he wanted to influence Rome and, and in turn influence the world. See, see, at this point in history, Rome was the most influential city in the world. And so he kind of thought to himself, and this is pretty logical, if I can influence the most influential people in the most influential city, then there'll just kind of be this ripple effect throughout the rest of the ancient Mediterranean world. But, but rather than finding himself preaching the gospel, the life-changing, eternity-transforming message of Jesus in Rome, he, he instead finds himself in a Roman prison awaiting his possible execution. It's literally the complete opposite of what he wanted, the complete opposite of what he had dreamt of. And let's be honest, not exactly a selfish dream, right? It is his heart's desire to make much to do of Jesus. I mean, why would that not go well? And so here's Paul, and he finds himself locked in that prison. And there, while he sat in that prison, he had a choice to frame his situation in one of two ways. We look to his letter titled Philippians there in the first chapter. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is the absolute worst. As a result of God screwing me over, I'm never going back to church and will be telling everyone who will listen about how horrible my life is. That is the DDV version. And just in case you're new to this whole church thing, that stands for Debbie Downer version. Also worth mentioning, just in case any of you are biting on this, I completely made this up. Some of you, you really perked up right there. You're like, that's my favorite translation. No, no, no. Uh, that's not what Paul said. That, that is not what Paul wrote. That, that's not how he framed it. No, no, here's what, what Paul actually said. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Church, this is, <laughs> I got giddy as we were like writing this message, preparing for this. This is so good. He's going, although to most people, it would look like I'm in a really, really brutal spot It's actually been a a good thing. Y'all, they they literally lock me up to a Roman guard at all hours of every single day. And and, and these guards, they're very, very influential people. And and I get a new guard every eight hours, new, new guard chained to my wrist. It's like, who's the real prisoner in this situation? I came to Rome to tell people about Jesus, to win influence among the most influential these guards, they have to listen to me. You talk about a captive audience, there's no escape. I'm preaching the same eight hour sermon on repeat and it's working. The whole palace has come to know Jesus precisely because I have been locked in this prison. Talk about winning influence among the most influential. This is amazing. I hope I never get out. He, he continues, not, not only all of this, He continues and says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters, most of the fellow followers of Jesus who have heard about this have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He's going, it is precisely because of my situation and the news of what is happening in this prison that other followers of Jesus are only becoming more emboldened for Christ. They're thinking to themselves, if God can accomplish that inside the prison, what will he do with us outside the prison? That they are encouraged like they have never been encouraged before. Now now for the rest of our time together here this morning, we're gonna talk about how we do that. How you can reframe your story how you can reframe your relationships, how you can reframe your situation. B- because the truth is, is that, that we all have stuff happening in our lives that we wish was different. C- can I just put like a, a more, maybe you would call it callous term, but a simple term. We all have crap going on in our lives. We all have circumstances that seem less than ideal. In, in the words of the greatest TV boss in, in history, Michael Scott, we all have problems. But like, like we talked about at the beginning, so often that the vast majority of our lives they're, they're pretty great. But but there's a relatively small amount of less than ideal stuff that, that ends up taking us out of God's perfect will. And, and so three specific tools to help us reframe and in turn win the war in our minds. Let's change our thinking so that we can change our, our lives. Number one, I wanna challenge us to thank God for what didn't happen. Even in the midst of a day where where apparently nothing, I mean, nothing feels like it's going right. It could always get worse. Thank God for not allowing all of that other stuff to happen. It's like the high school girl who comes home one day and sits down her parents and just really sincerely expresses them, hey, like, I just want you to listen here. I have something pretty heavy to share with the two of you. Uh, and just give me an opportunity to speak, and at the end, you can ask questions and yell at me and scold me and all that good stuff, but but I just need to get this off my chest, and she admits that the party that she went to the weekend before, she met a guy, and uh, after spending some time with this guy, she ended up making a foolish decision, and, and they slept together, and uh, now the reason that she's kind of confessing this is because she's pregnant, and she's not just sort of pregnant, like she's pregnant with twins, but she says, good news that the the guy, he wants to be in these kids' lives, and you know, he, he wants to help raise these children once he gets out of rehab. Then she goes on to say, also, none of that is true. However, I did get a D on my chemistry exam. I just wanted to remind you, mom and dad, that it could be a lot worse. Maybe the plane gets delayed because of mechanical problems, and there you are on the runway cursing the world, but at least you're not experiencing those mechanical problems at 35,000 feet. Maybe it's the car wreck where, yeah, it's going to cost you a pretty penny to repair everything, but at least nobody got hurt. This last November, uh, my wife and I, we shared a little bit about this in pieces of sermons. Uh, Our uh, our middle child, Malachi, he found himself in in the hospital with double lung pneumonia and the flu and asthma, kind of just like this brutal combination that hit him all at once, and uh, there he was on this breathing machine with literally something inflating and deflating his lungs, and honestly, as a parent, it, it was two of the most difficult days of my life. So stressed, so worried about my little guy, but... Honestly, and even in that moment, we, we thought about this, we prayed about this, it, it could have been a lot worse. From the time that, that Malachi went into the ICU to the time he ended up being discharged, let me that picture of that little twerp right there, it makes, it makes no sense apart from God. God responded to the prayers of his people. He worked a miracle in, in that five-year-old boy's life. What was it, challenging? Was it faith-stretching? Absolutely. But, but could it have been a lot worse? Well, it seemed like it was headed there. Thank God for what didn't happen. Number two, practice pre-framing. This is where we decide how we're gonna frame a situation before we engage in that situation. This is so important because our thoughts, our, our frames will typically shape what we experience. See, if you, before you even step into that conversation with that friend about a hard topic, if you tell yourself this is going to go horribly, that there's no way this is going to do any good, what a waste of time, she's so stubborn, why am I even having this conversation? Do you think that 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 interaction is going to go well? Probably not. But conversely, if you're telling yourself, I cannot wait to see how God is going to work, I am expecting breakthrough. God, humble both of our hearts. Help me to see where I have blind spots as well. Isn't a heck of a lot more likely that it'll go well in that scenario? I spoke a bit to this last week. We have a role to play in all of this. We can't expect like a quick prayer, but before a meal to usher in a miracle. I'm convinced more than ever that you and I, we don't see breakthrough in our lives because we're not playing our part. We're not behaving with an expectation that God is going to come through. And in that vein, it's on us to pre-frame before you head into that presentation at work. But before I step onto that stage on Sunday mornings, before your child even wakes up, I am choosing to win ahead of time because what I believe determines how I behave. Before you head into any situation, remind yourself of truth. God is with you. God is good. God goes before you. Through him, all things are possible. Thank God for, for what didn't happen, but preframe it. And, and number three, look for God's goodness. Because here's a guarantee that, that every single one of us can take to the bank. You will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the bad, if you're looking for the negative, you will find the bad. You will find the negative. You want to be critical? There's no shortage of how you could have done it better. If you want to see what's wrong with every day, you will find what is wrong with every single day. You can choose to be the vulture or the hummingbird. Isn't it interesting? Vultures, they find dead things because they are constantly searching for dead things. Meanwhile, hummingbirds, they find sweet things because all they are looking for is sweetness. You will always find whatever it is that you are looking for. You can choose the path that admittedly 99% of the world chooses to take full of negativity and criticism and woe is me or You can choose to look for where God is working and if you do, you will see his handiwork all over the place. You you wanna live positively, you'll see the positive. You, You will see the good all around you. You wanna see the opportunities, you'll see the possibilities all around you. You can see that God is still on his throne, that death has already been defeated, that you are on the winning side of this. This is cognitive reframing, interpreting your circumstances based on God's truth to you rather than Satan's lies about you. Grumlaw, let us as a a faith community, not just even leave this up to ourselves. Let's allow Jesus to decide. Let's allow Jesus to frame it for us. My wife and I, we've been uh, pretty open in in sharing about our journey with our youngest child, uh, Oakley. There's that precious little twerp in our effort and our desire to have him become a legal, a permanent member of the Prisk family. As many of you know, we brought Oakley home just days before the world shut down in early March of 2020. And even right there, that is an incredible story of God's grace, God's provision, rescuing Oakley out of that situation. I absolutely believe this. I don't think that that little boy would be alive if God had not rescued him at that particular moment. Now, if you're doing the math, that means that we've had Oakley now for almost three years. It'll be three years this March. And, and the legal process, well, it, it continues to drag out. And, and many well-meaning people, maybe some of you who are watching right now, you've, you've been lamenting how long it's taking. And admittedly, that is the filter that my wife and I were looking at like, for, for a long time. But instead now, and slowly but surely, we're, we're allowing Jesus to frame it for us. Church, I don't have the time this morning to, to go through just like the onslaught, the list. There has been so much good happening in the waiting. We had a court date actually about two weeks ago. And uh, as we've almost kind of come to expect at this point, nothing happened. It was like deja vu. I'm like, haven't we had this court date like three times in a row now? But, but I'm not kidding. In that moment, I rejoiced. Because I have such excitement for what God is going to do in the waiting, but for what he is going to do before that next court date strikes, because he's done so much great to this point. I'm like, I can't wait. Like he he wanted to delay it. He wanted to give somebody one more chance. He wanted us to have one more conversation. If God is working in all things for good for those who have been called according to his purpose, it's time to reject the frames that tell us it can't and he won't and it's not possible. Waste of time, it'll never work out. Rather than interpreting God through our circumstances, interpret our circumstances through God's goodness. I will choose to see God's goodness because it is there if I'll just change my filter. Even on our worst days, our God is still there and he's still good. He he promises that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. The living, breathing God is still there on his throne. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And as a result, let us not be a people who conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds.